This is good old boy Mike from Sips, Suds, and Smokes podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 199, 1985, Pop Culture Fantasy Draft. Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, welcome to Pop Culture World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. This week, we're holding our third pop culture fantasy draft. This time around, it's 1985. But before we get started on that, Derek, anything new in the world of pop culture for you, my friend? Hey, Chris. Yes, actually, uh, as per the usual, mm-hmm. I have a handful of things. And as we have discussed during previous episodes when we've done the fantasy draft, the drafting actually goes pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So I've got I've got more than the usual number of what's new in pop culture for you. So let's get let's jump right into it. So last week we had a very good friend of mine, Greg Martin, was on the show to talk about metal albums from the 1980s. And I got to think it was a pretty great show. I had a, a, lot, a lot of fun doing that episode. I thought it was great. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, Greg has what it takes to be a podcaster. I can't wait to have him back on the show at some point in the very near future. So this first little bit is sort of a shout out to Greg. So buddy, this one's for you. Chris, have you, uh, and I know you have, have you gone to any live concerts recently, say since the COVID stuff has happened? Uh, no, no, I haven't. But, Not but you COVID. are a fan of live music. You've been to of live course. concerts before. Of course. of course. Going to see so, Elton John next year. So Nice, yeah. very nice. Yeah. So my wife and I are also... You know, not crazy live music people, but we go to see the handful of shows. And my friend Greg Martin sees a ridiculous number of live music shows. That's always been his shtick. When we were when we were roommates at university, he would drag me to these shows. He's like, yeah, this band's going to be big. And I'm like, I never freaking heard of this band. And then like three years later when they break, he's like, we saw them. Like, really? He's like, yeah, remember we went to this. So anyway, this one's for Greg. So as as we have discussed before, I'm a huge, huge fan of 80s music and As is often happening these days, bands from the 80s decide we're going to cash in a paycheck and do a tour, uh, you know, today. We're going to get that retro audience. Billy Idol and Journey. (laughs) Oh, jeez, that's awesome. How's that for a bill? Billy Idol and Journey. Yeah. Yeah. So they're coming here to Toronto. Really? When? When um, is that? uh, I think it's They're coming together? Like they're doing the show together? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the first week of March. Oh, my God. If I remember correctly. And so I was not aware of this. And then I, I, we were hanging out with friends of ours earlier this week who are also big 80s music people. And they're like, hey, did you get the pre-sale thing for the Billy Idol and Journey concert? I'm like, oh, my God. No, I had no idea. So I went on earlier this week and I was like, oh, looking at tickets. I'm like, yeah, these are reasonably priced. And of course, when I was doing that, I was sort I was working. So I didn't really have time to do it. Now, I learned something important about buying music concert tickets this week. So the general on sale was today. 
the Friday at 10 a.m. As most concerts are, it's like, this is the day, 10 a.m., music tickets go on sale. But the days before, you can get, like, if you have a special code, you can get a pre-sale. Mm-hmm. Certain tickets are released early if you're a fan or if you have an American Express card or if you're part of their fan club or whatever. So I, my friend had forwarded me her passcode. She's like, I'm on the Billy Idol fan club. Here's the passcode. You can get in early. I'm great. That's still a thing, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> the Billy Idol so, fan club. I, I unfortunately I didn't get around to doing this until late last night because I, I had to work really late because I'm off on vacation next week and I've been working late nights. Nice. So last night I finally I log out of work and I, I finally decide I'm gonna log in and buy these tickets. I had already looked, I knew exactly where I wanted to buy, what the price points were. I logged in to buy the tickets and they're like, I'm sorry, the presale has closed. Oh, and I missed it by like 15 minutes. I had no idea presales close. I just assumed a presale happened until the real sale activated. But apparently not. Apparently pre-sales have a finite timeline lockdown. So this morning, they went on sale at 10 a.m. I logged in. I actually got the exact tickets next to the tickets where my friends were already sitting. So that worked out perfectly. So we're going to see Billy Idol and Journey in March. I can't wait. Have never seen either band live before, but... This is going to be a great show. I that, that is. And I, I just want to interject because you're going to see Billy Idol in Journey. My wife texted me uh, this afternoon and she's like, oh, oh, guess what? Air supply is coming. I'm like, Frick, who cares? So? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I care. I'm like, so you get to go see Billy Idol in Journey. I got to go see friggin' air supply. Jeez. Oh, man. Well, happy wife, happy life, man. Do yeah, what you got to do to keep that marriage working. Yeah. Man. Okay. So I'm, I'm all out of love. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Good pull. Good pull. Okay. So that was it for music. I got a bunch of TV movie stuff coming up for you. So okay. first and foremost, here's something that you'd think we talk about more often on a pop, pop culture podcast that we don't. Chris, when was the last time you sat down and watched a brand new episode of The Simpsons? Oh, God. A long time ago. Long, yeah. long time ago. Yeah. They're and still making people, it. You know that. Oh, they are. And and honestly, the quality is pretty good. Like, I think most people have written off The Simpsons, but if you haven't watched them in a long time, I strongly encourage you to go Sunday nights on Fox and watch them. They hold the, the new episodes are quite good. So this week, or pardon me, last week, they had an episode that was essentially a parody of the Fargo tv series this runs on fx there's been four i think four seasons of fargo and they've all been amazing if you haven't watched them you should check them out so they had this episode of the simpsons that was like a fargo parody and i'm watching it going this episode is great and at the end they're like to be continued and the simpsons almost never does a to be continued so it was a two-parter the second part aired just this week it is one of the best episodes of the simpsons i've ever seen uh, especially in the last 10 years and i keep watching the new episodes so if you have watched and are familiar with like modern prestige television if you watch the new series the fargo series and that kind of thing this episode of the simpsons is two-parter is absolutely worth your time try and find it it was fantastic i i couldn't believe how much i enjoyed it and i'm i'm kind of embarrassed to admit how much i enjoyed it because like the quality is pretty good and has been pretty good so so i wanted to raise that one first speaking of animated shows chris we have talked about this series previously on the podcast big mouth on netflix Mm -hmm. Have you got around to watching any of these episodes? Oh, yeah. So I think I told you I watched the first two seasons and then just, oh, man, maybe like a week ago, I had nothing to do one night. My wife and I were sitting there, so I put an episode of it on. So, yeah, I like that show. It's good. So 
They just dropped a new season, season mm-hmm. five. Okay. It's 10 episodes. My wife and I plowed through them this week. They are fantastic. The quality of this show just gets better and better. For those who are not familiar with it, Big Mouth is a story of, I think it's four or five, uh, like sort of preteen adolescent kids that are just entering into puberty. And think, think basically, I tell people, Think South Park, except if the South Park kids were just a little bit older. That's sort of the vibe of this show, and it's definitely R-rated. There's a lot of swears. There's a lot of very explicit sexual discussions. I mean, there's nothing on the screen that's inappropriate to see because it's a cartoon, but it is high quality. The voice work is great. They've got a lot of good guest actors doing the voices, although I did notice in season five they've recast a few of the voices as other people have become a little more famous and probably weren't interested in coming back to voice work. But season five of Big Mouth on Netflix, solid pick. Watched it this week. Fantastic. Nice. All right. Last one I got on my list. I, we watched You've a movie last weekend. I've been busy. Yeah. Despite the fact that I've been ridiculously busy with work, prepping for my vacation. Still had time Wait, to watch stuff. That's good. Work hard, play hard. This is the play hard part. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so last weekend, we watched a new movie that just dropped on Netflix called Red Notice. Have you heard about this? Never even heard of it before. It's got... Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's okay. got Ryan Reynolds. It's got Gal Gadot, who play who is known best for her role as Wonder Woman in the DC mm-hmm. films. And it is an action comedy, and it is very self-aware and does a lot of wink wink. It's like a, a prisoner slash heist movie. And it's not wink wink in the same sense as say Deadpool, where he is very well aware and breaks a fourth wall and talks to the audience, but it is very aware in the sense that. It's almost like the characters realize they're in a heist movie because they're constantly explicitly referencing tropes that you would see in heist movies. And as they're experiencing them, they're like, well, if this was a movie, this would happen. And then sure enough, it happens. And so they're able to um, either make a joke of it as it happens or they're able to plan around it because they're like, in a heist movie, this is always what would happen. So let's do this precaution. And I mean, if you're a fan of Ryan Reynolds, which I am, this is a great example of his work. The Rock is if you've watched the new Jumanji movies with The Rock, it's sort of that same vibe. It's like it's an action movie with comedy in it. That's a good way to describe it. And Gal Gadot has never looked more attractive than she does in this movie. Oh, my God. She is easy on the eyes. There's a lot of a lot of visual awesomeness to go in this movie between Ryan Reynolds and The Rock and Gal Gadot. Like this is an A plus cast just for the visual candy, but they actually do a great job. So check it out. It's called Red Notice. It's on Netflix now. I loved it. It was great. Okay. <clears throat> I got two things for you. So recently we had to close up our trailer for the year. As you know, Derek, we have a trailer we go up to on the weekends, but sadly this is Canada. So we have to shut it down for the winter. And my son and I, my 12 year old, uh, he and I went up together and we closed it up and we stayed overnight one last time for the year. So I thought, well, I'll bring along a movie for us to watch. So we watched Stroker Ace. Oh my God. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> Sorry. How old is your child again? He's 12. So oh my God. there was a couple of questionable moments. It's PG, but I mean, there's a couple of questionable moments. And yeah, but it's 1980s PG, which true. is definitely not the same as today's PG. But what Let's I do honest. is whenever like the, the, the bad scenes come up, I just start talking and I distract him for those parts. Because I know the movie so well. I know when they're coming. But overall, he liked it. You know, it's the fastest chicken in the South. It was so good. And honestly, I've never seen it. I oh, know. I know never. of it. I've never okay. seen it. So I'm definitely going to nominate it for a future show. Okay. okay. Um, he, but my son, he thought Ned Beatty was like a total slime ball. 
Clyde Torkel. It's, it's so good. He's like, Teddy, that guy's gross. And I was like, man, that's nothing. You should you should have seen him in Deliverance. But Yo, <laughs> my. <laughs> exactly. Wee! Exactly. Wee! Oh, wee! my. <laughs> okay. And then the next thing, uh, <laughs> oh, this has a connection to 1985, our fantasy draft this year. Uh, okay. So this week, Paul Rudd was named Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine. He is quite attractive. I, I, I'm, I got no, I have no objections to that pick. He's no Ryan Reynolds, and and, 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 and well, he's no, and he's, he's no, got his own thing going. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's I mean, easy on the eyes too, and and he's funny, and that goes a long way. Yeah, he's no Matt Damon. He's either. got great hair, considering. Matt Damon. Hey, few people are Matt Damon. Yeah, I mean, you love him, but anyway, so Paul Rudd gets named sexiest man alive. He's fifty-two years old, and wow. I just, I, I just wanted to point out, Paul Rudd is the same age as Wilford Brimley when he was in Cocoon. Isn't he also the same age you are now? <laughs> he is. I'm Why weren't you named Sexiest Man Alive? You're wearing an ACDC tank top as we record this show. Chris, you are sexy. How did you get overlooked for this award? I, I guess the question is, am I more Paul Rudd or am I more Wilford Brimley? <laughs> In order to preserve this friendship, I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that I may incriminate myself. Yeah, we think we know the answer to that question. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. Here's your dad joke of the week. <laughs> okay, Derek. <laughs> Sorry. If you're already laughing, I know I'm going to hate this. Why, why, why can't her nose be 12 inches long? Um... Jeez, I'm sure I'm gonna regret the answer, but I honestly have no clue. Is is your like is your mind in the gutter on this one? By any of course point? it is. Of course it is. <laughs> so it just gets get your mind out of the gutter. Sorry, repeat the question for me before you give me the punchline. Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? I don't know, Chris. Why? Get your mind out of the gutter. A nose can't be 12 inches long because then it would be a foot. That sucked. Well, it also can't be 12 inches long because then it would be my I'm your head counselor. I did not enjoy this anymore the second time. <laughs> What's going on? What's wrong? I've never seen it. Oh, never wow. interested in seeing it. No desire to see it. Was not interested at all. Oh, I paid $200 for these shoes, but I mean on the best. It's certainly tame by today's standards. There's a very fat pair of pants hanging from the flagpole this morning. It is not something I think I ever need to see again. Oh! Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Okay, bud, we're putting together two of my favorite things in the whole wide world again. Pop culture and fantasy sports. And we're having a pop culture fantasy draft. The year is 1985. So we each have to draft a team. Of three movies, three TV shows, three songs, and one personal pick. So we're each going to have a, a team of ten things. And then we're going to send it off to our esteemed panel of judges, Derek. And they're going to vote on, you know, whose list they feel won the draft. You know, and next episode we'll announce the winner of, of this fantasy draft. I think you have some catching up to do, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. You lost... I, I you lost 1984 by a 6-to-1 margin, and then we expanded the court to nine judges for our 1981 draft, and I took that one by a score of 8-to-1. So, uh, you know one thing we've often mentioned before, that we always say that people's favorite year for pop culture is the year that they turned 11. 
And you mentioned last week something interesting because you said 1985 is the year that you turned 11. So it's probably safe to say that you've got some fond memories of this year from a pop culture perspective. So I think you might uh, you might do well. And oh, and we yeah. should also mention that the the winner not only uh, you know has you know bragging rights, we also get the Funko Fonzie trophy. So it's currently been sitting on my desk here for the last two drafts, but uh, we'll see how it goes this week. I got to do the coin flip, so I'm going to do the coin flip right now. Derek, what do you what do you call? Well, one school of thought is to just stick with my guns. I've done tails every week, and I've only won once, but I'm going to switch it this week and go with heads. Oh, it's tails. <laughs> Damn it! Damn I'm it. using a loony. <laughs> the loony came up. Oh, uh, sorry, bud. See, uh, I thought if I just pick the same answer every week for the ten drafts. Yeah. Uh, in theory, I should win half the draft. And now that I switched, it's like, damn it. That's when it, yeah. Uh, okay, so I get first pick here. I I, I know exactly I go, what you're going to pick. I got to go with the obvious one. Got to do it. So I'm going to start yeah. off with a movie, and I'm going to go of course with you are. Back to the Future. Back to the Future is my first pick, and that's a movie, and then it'll be over to you. Yeah, sorry. I'm just I'm just tracking your picture. Every, every year, I'm writing them down as well. Every draft that we do, there's always like that one major pick. Like 1981 yeah. was Raiders of the Lost Ark. 1984 yeah. was Ghostbusters. It really comes yeah. down to who gets the the first yeah. the first pick. And and again, I was like, well, if I can get back to the future, I got a chance. But I'm like, I really I'm I'm already coming from behind on this one, so it's unfortunate. Um, so so before I go into my picks, let me paint a picture for you. 1985. So. Mm-hmm. I've been, I'm born and raised in Toronto, big city, biggest city in Canada, thriving metropolis. I mean, obviously I was a young kid in, in 1980, so it's not like I was sort of venturing out of my safety zone, but when you grow up in a, in a large city, you're exposed to a lot more things than say, if you grow up in a small town, right? It's just, it, it shapes you differently. Sure. Of course. In 1985, my father took a job in a small town in rural Canada and decided that, you know, for the for the benefit of the family, we would move to where his job was, which we did. So for the majority of the year of 1985, we left Toronto, which is a, a city population in the millions and was back then also in the millions. And we moved to a town that had like a population of like a thousand. So as a young, impressionable 11 year old, this really... Uh, you know, changes the way that you perceive the world. And I think that it, it, in the very best ways, had a very strong shaping on how I perceive the world around me. Um, and so 1985 is a very important year for me because we moved at the very end of the school year, which would have been like the, the middle of June. So the summer of 1985 and the fall of 1985, which is when the majority of the movies came out, when the majority of the TV shows debuted, and when a lot of the big songs came out, I was now in a very different place in my life geographically and just mentally. And so for me, as you mentioned previously, when you're 11 years old, the pop culture really has a strong impact on you. And even more so than normal, 1985, it just coincidentally happened to be when I was 11. But this drastic change in where I moved, like where I was living, very much shaped who I am. And I think the pop culture was a huge part of that. And so with that in mind, it's definitely going to influence my picks and it's definitely influenced sort of like, you know, where I'm going with this. Cool. Anyway, just, I figured I'd provide a little background on that. Sure. And when we get to the 1988 draft, I have a whole bunch of other stuff about that, but we'll talk about that. That'll be a fun one too. Okay. So I believe that there are a handful of fantastic movies from this year. Mm -hmm. And then 
I figure the TV shows and the music, there's a lot of good choices. So Back to the Future, I think, is the clincher. I think this is giving you a huge leg up. So I think in order for me to compete, I got to stick in the movie category. Mm. I'm going to pick what, in my mind, is one of the absolute most quintessential 80s movies picks and is definitely representative of what was happening in the world around us in 1985. And I'm going with Rocky IV. Oh, wow. Because of the Russian angle of things, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. they went over to Russia and did that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a good pick, yeah. I, I think you're, I think you make a good point because movies in 1985 are like, they, they were pretty important. Mm-hmm. I think it was a re- really important part of it. Even more important than the TV shows and the songs. So, oh, no, that's good. Rocky Four is a good one. And did you Don't see Rocky Four in the theater when it came out when you were uh, when you were? 11? Oh, of course I yeah. did. Absolutely, I've seen I it did. on video a bunch of times. I mean, you look at it now, and it's a ridiculous piece of American propaganda mm-hmm. about you know just Americans will win no matter what. But it's like it's it's so cheesy, but so indicative of the time when it came out. This idea of the you know. Just the whole Rocky mythology of like Rocky's gonna, you know, he's he's the underdog and he's gonna beat them. And it's just it's got so many tropes that have now become commonplace, which in the eighties, especially in nineteen eighty five, in some cases, this is the first time you saw some of that. And so you look at it now and you go, Oh man, like that's super cheese. But at the time it was in many cases the first time some of this had been done. So no, and it was I, all I think US a, versus Russia back then. Well, of course like, it was. So, just so indicative of the times. So that's a good one. Of course. Okay, uh, back to me. I think, like just like you've said, movies were the driving force in this year, I think. So I'm going to stick with movies. I just cannot decide which of these two I want to go with. I think I'm going to go with The Goonies. I'm going to go I with The Goonies. I figured you would. So yeah. The Goonies will be my second pick. I'm going to go with a, a second movie, and then I only have one more movie to get. So, okay, I'm going to go with The Goonies. Love this movie. Actually, I went to see this movie in the movie theater. I was 15 years old, and I went... <laughs> I went on a date <laughs> with a with a girl to go see this movie. I'll never forget. And I remember we're we're there and we're I don't know the movies maybe an hour in and she's like, "You brought me to a movie with a bunch of kids running around in caves looking for treasure." Needless to say, we didn't get a second date. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but I always remember that. But uh, but the Goonies has endured. I think it's one of those things that you look back very fondly on this time uh, with a movie like this. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if you're looking back to your youth, and I, and I hope the judges are, you know, looking back on their youth when they look at our lists, who wouldn't be inspired as a kid to look for treasure? Like, it's just such a, a, a childish thing to, to want to do. So uh, The Goonies is my pick, so I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, obviously, I've seen The Goonies. I mm-hmm. saw it in the theater. I've seen it on video a bunch of times. I never really cared for it. I don't know. Just something about it. I was like, eh, it was just okay. But what I know, there's a whole generation. And honestly, Chris, it's people who are a little older than me, people who are sort of more your generation that seem to hold this movie in this incredible esteem. And they hold it up and go, the Goonies, this is it, man. This was me. I just never felt that way. I, I, I enjoyed it, but it was no Back to the Future. Let me mm-hmm. just put it that way. It's yeah. like the Goonies was a great, it was a, I don't even say a great movie. I would say the Goonies was a good movie. But it, to me, it wasn't a great. Honestly, I have it on my list. It was my literally my number six movie pick. Wow. So the fact that you pulled it, I'm like, good. Saves good. me from that having to think you. about yeah. that in my six pick. Cool. Okay, 
I'm going to go to music because okay. you've okay. already got two out of three movies. So I'm kind of hoping that now that gives me a little freedom to come back to movies when I think it's best for me. Mm -hmm. Just like with sports draft, right? You drafted all your pitchers. Fine. Great. Um, I'm going to go to music. Yep. Now, in the previous draft, I made a big deal about drafting the number one song of the year mm -hmm. and the number one song of the next year that was released from the year that we drafted. I am not drafting the number one song of the year in, with this pick, which is not to say that I won't do that. I'm actually picking a song that finished a little bit lower on the, so made the top 10, but it wasn't number one. But I think when you look back in 1985 and you ask people like, what was your favorite song? What song was the most memorable to you? What song sort of had the most lasting impact? It was Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Great pick. And yeah. the, the, thing, the thing with the music this year is that if you look at like you you're mentioning that like the top of the charts if you look at the, the sort of the billboard year end charts on the top 10 the top 5 songs were all released in 1984 yeah so that takes it right off because our rule is this song had to be on an album that was released in 1985 yeah and none of them so, were so money for nothing though oh my god that's like that is a good pick because like you say that's indicative of uh of the year 1985 and you're obviously a yeah. fan of the song. This is one of my this is one of my all time favorite songs. And when we did our like favorite songs ever, I can't believe I overlooked this. Honestly, this was on my short list of my top five. It definitely makes my top ten. I love the song. I love that again. It came out in June 1985, and mm -hmm. by then I was again I had moved away from my hometown, new city, making new friends, making new memories, and the I was just getting it so. We've established many times that I'm a huge 80s music video mm -hmm. nut. I love everything about music videos. When we moved from Toronto to this small rural, rural town, one of the things my parents did to sort of help keep the kids a little bit, you know, from being angry and ticked off was they got every cable channel that was possibly available because coming from Toronto, you had all these TV channels. And then we went to this role and they're like, you have the local channel and that's it. So my parents are like, look, look, we're not, we're not out to get you guys. We're going to buy every cable channel that's available. And one of the channels we got was much music, which we never which had was a pay channel when it first came out. It was that's a pay right. channel. Yeah. And I remember getting it. And that was when I fell in love with music videos. We mm -hmm. moved away and I didn't have a lot of friends and I spent a lot of time in front of the TV. And suddenly I have the music video channel. And it's like, Oh my God, these songs are great. Oh my God. There's visuals to go with these songs. And just the video for Money for Nothing is groundbreaking. It's, I mean, by today's standards, it's super cheese. But it has, like, the computer animated graphics combined with the live band footage. And then there's, like, animation over the band. Like, they got the headbands and the guitars are all, like, glowing and stuff mm -hmm. in the video. This is one of, like, this is a memorable video. It was, uh, it was definitely nominated for a bunch of MTV Music Video Awards. I don't know how many it won. Unfortunately, oh, I, I don't have that. It was, uh, yeah. let's see, uh, Best Rock Performance Duo, Group or Vocal, nominated for Record of the Year, nominated for Song of the Year, MTV Music Awards, nominated for 11 awards for video, including Video of the Year and Best Group. Like, it was a great song. It was a great video. It was the right place, the right time, the right, you know, and sometimes it's just that's half the half the battle is being in the right place, the right time. And this song just hit it on so many levels. And that's part of the reason it's so memorable. It was parodied by Weird Al Yankovic, mm -hmm. where he did. It was a Beverly Hillbillies was the parody. I mean, if Weird Al parodies your song, you know, your song has made it into the pop culture zeitgeist. <laughs> and like this song, solid number one. One of my all-time favorite songs, definitely one of my all-time favorite songs from 1985. I I have no bones about picking this as my number one. And I thought, if you get Back to the Future of the movie, which you did, I need this song or I am blown out of the water. So I'm glad I got it. 
This is my number one music pick. If you look back on it now, the, the video for this song seems a little bit low tech, but let me tell you, when it came out, the computer graphics were like groundbreaking. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like the robots and the 3D images. And it it, it kind of built on the, the the graphics that we saw in the last Starfighter, which we reviewed not that long ago. Yeah. And this, it really kind of paved the way for CGI as we know it now. Like this, this was probably the first time they ever showed humans in CGI form in, in pop culture. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. I don't know, it was a good pick. And, and I mean, uh, it, sorry, go ahead. No, and I was going to say, and, and, and you're right. Like, like, like you wanted to, to, to kind of sew up another category, which I understand because I got Back to the Future. I had a whole backup plan if I didn't win the coin toss because I thought you're going to take Back to the Future. This is the way I want to go with it. And I think sewing up a, a song is, is a really good way to do that. So good pick. Yeah. And I mean, this is from I mean, not that this really weighs into it, because obviously I pick the song, I get the song I picked, but it's from the Brothers in Arms album from Dire Straits, which was a huge album. It had. Five five hit singles released off it, including So Far Away, Money for Nothing, we just talked about, Brothers in Arms, Walk of Life, and a song called Your Latest Trick, which I'm not really that familiar with. But the other four are solid picks. One of my good buddies, uh, Brothers in Arms, is his all-time favorite song, hands down, 100%, never wavers. So it's like this album was just revolutionary for the time, and Money for Nothing was just like the icing on the cake for it. So this is a solid pick. I'm very happy with this pick. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to go back to the well again here, I think. You just saw movies on the first I think I'm, Yeah, I think I'm going to go back and take another movie. Um, I know that sounds crazy. I usually like to spread things out. No, but uh, I think I know where you're going with this. I, 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 I like, the dra- I like letting the draft come to me. And so I think I'm going to go with The Breakfast Club. Yep. That was next on my pick. Yeah, right. I want to I take that away from you too. So it's partly strategy as well. Um, there's still some really good movies out there. Um, but I think I'm going to do that. I think that's going to really sew thing up, things up for me. Breakfast Club. Um, I mean, if you go back to the very first episode of this podcast, I had mentioned how The Breakfast Club was sort of the quintessential movie of Generation X. And it really was. I, I remember I didn't see this movie when it first came out. I didn't see it in the movie theater. And I heard about it. And then it came on the movie channel and I watched it. And I was like, why did it take me like a year to watch this movie? Like, it's so good. And it just spoke to me. It just, it had something to say. And the thing is, is that all these years later, and like, I'm, I'm, I haven't shown it to my, my son yet. You know, I just, I just show him Stroke Race. <laughs> but at some point I'm going to show him this movie. Um, I think I'm going to maybe even wait just till he gets into high school when he was kind of like that same age. And I, I honestly think it'll speak to him as strongly as it did to me. I think it's timeless. So I think it's going to really resonate with the judges. And I think it's an important, when you look back on 1985, Breakfast Club. So I'm going to sort movies. Wow. So now you can just I, leave movies. I was going to say, I'm a little surprised you went movie, 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 know, considering how they're, but, but in all fairness, I was putting my list together and I, now my wife's one of the judges, so I'm very cognizant of I don't want to influence her decision and I don't want her advice as much as I would love to have her advice because I think that would help my picks but I sort of casually commented to her today I was like the song category for 1985 is ridiculously strong it is normally I get the list to around 10 and then an arrow to six because we need three and three and maybe a wild card my song list is like 20 songs deep and I'm like if I have to take song 20 I'm still going to be happy this is a very very strong song year in my opinion, with the exception of Money for Nothing, was a clear number one in my mind, which is why I had to jump on it. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I don't necessarily fault you for taking the movies because I don't think that that some years it's like there's five movies and if you don't get one of those five, you're done. But I think songs is so broad that sewing up the movies was a good pick for you. Mm-hmm. We'll see how okay. it works out. So, well, over to you. Knowing I, knowing I don't have to go back to movies, I'm going to TV shows. And if I say to you, Dorothy, Rose, Blanche, and Sophia, <laughs> right, you know right away that I'm talking about the Golden Girls. Great. Pick. Premiered in September 1985. This show ran for seven seasons from 85 to 92. And it ran uh, 177 episodes. It was a huge hit. I think, I think, and I may be wrong with this. I think it was sort of a surprise hit. I don't think people expected it to be the phenomenon that it was. And I do absolutely not think people expected that all these years later, it would still be as big a deal as it is. Like for some reason, the Golden Girls has had a remarkable resurgence in pop culture in the last few years. And now when this came out, I was 11 years old. So a lot of the things that they talked about on this show made no sense to me. I couldn't relate to it. My parents were not the same age as these characters. I was certainly not the same age as these characters, but it was still a quality show. And I can remember watching it with my parents. My mom and I used to watch a lot of the same TV shows. So I remember watching it and enjoying it. The show ran forever and we enjoyed it. And just, it became a part of pop culture in the late eighties and it's just never gone away. And even now in 2021, it is still remarkably beloved by people who are our age and by the younger people. Cause I think that a lot of what was depicted in this show was a lot of themes and ideas about older people and older women specifically that still resonate that have never really been addressed in any other show and in other, any other pop culture that has applied so broadly. And I think it's an underserved audience um, you know, it's an underserved area where there are a remarkable number of women, you know, that are uh, that are seniors that are in the, that age group that the Golden Girls were supposed to be that are not represented on TV. And that's the one thing I hear from people often who are not. You know, I mean, as a white male, I, I don't have this problem. But as a lot of other people, it's like I don't see myself represented on TV and movies. I don't see people of color. I don't see women. I don't see LGBT community represented on screen. It's like this was sort of one of those cases where it's like. This was a, one of the very first times that older women were represented on TV in prime time on a national audience and spoke about issues related to their demographic. And it still holds up. So this is my number one pick, hands down. I'm glad I got a chance to get it. I mean, The Breakfast Club was a good movie pick, but honestly, I think you missed out by not grabbing The Golden Girls. Yeah, I mean, it, it, The Golden Girls was the best TV show that debuted. Uh, in that year. So that's a good pick. I think I'm also going to go with the TV show. You know, and the thing was around this time, like family sitcoms were all the rage. Like, you know, you had, you know, family ties and the Cos- Cosby show was the number one show. It came out, you know, the year previous. But I'm going to go with um, one that I, I always enjoyed this show. And I always thought it was good. And that's Growing Pains. Did you wow. ever watch that show? I did. I watched every episode and it's on my list. But honestly... It was my number five pick, so I'm wow, glad so you that works so good for you. I'm going to go yeah. with it. I, I thought it was good, and I and, and to me, it, it resonates with me in terms of, of 1985, and and that's what the, the the goal of this list is is to put together things that represent that year in pop culture, and and Growing Pains definitely fits the bill. So that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm just you? I'm just I'm writing this down now. I'm 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 
I wasn't surprised you went with TV, but I was a little surprised you went with that mm-hmm. TV. Go figure. Okay, so. It's all how we rank them, right? Yeah. Okay, so you don't have a song. So I kind of think I need to delve into the song again just to try and mm-hmm. really stick it to you because you've really got a strong movie group. So, oh, there's a lot. So, hmm. Wow. I'm not really sure where to go next with this one. Um, okay. I'm going to go with Like a Virgin by Madonna as my number two. Nope. Sorry. That came out in 1984. That came that out the year before. So you can't, you sorry, can't pick that Sorry. One, yeah. I even have that written down in 1984. Why did I still have it on my pick list? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Hold on then. <sighs> okay. Earlier, before we recorded this show, mm-hmm. I was listening to my Sirius XM radio app. And... I already had my lists fully locked down and then a song came on and I thought, Oh, this is a great song. And I happened to glance over and it's with Sirius. It always tells you the name of the song, the artist and the year it came out and it shows you the album cover. And I looked over and it said 1985. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's not on my list. And I went to the internet and sure enough, it came out in 1985. I am going with Susudio by Phil Collins. Ooh, good pick. Came out in 1985. February 1985 was the album release date. It was on No Jacker Acquired, right? Yeah, yeah, which is, man, a phenomenal album. Um, but yeah, I was I was surprised I had overlooked it because uh, I fully expected to, like, again, I've got my list sort of locked down. And I was like, wow, how did I overlook Phil Collins? Like, that was a huge album, a huge song. And I mean, Phil Collins already a well-known name between his career in Genesis, and he had already put out Face Value uh, with uh, in the air tonight. So I mean, this is a solid pick for me. I'm happy with this pick. Okay. My number two song pick, my number four pick overall, is Studio by Phil Collins. Nice, I like it. I'm gonna go with a song as well. I mentioned um, back on episode one, we talked about our favorite uh, movie from Gen X that represents Gen X, and we also talked about the song that best represents Gen X. <clears throat> And that's what I'm going to go with here. And it's from one of my movie picks. And that's Don't You Forget About Me. Good pick. That's, it's a solid song. Now, honestly, Chris, this is one of the debates I've been having since we started this movie draft. If a song, if a movie has a song associated Mm -hmm. with the movie, are you better off to try and lock up both the song and the movie? Or... If you get the movie, should I grab the song? And if you grab the song, should I grab the movie just to try and split the vote? Because we did this with the first one we did. And I think if I remember correctly, uh, uh, one of us had had Beverly Hills Cop. And then I took the song from Beverly Hills Cop. And I, yeah. I mean, I ended up losing. So it might have been me for both. And so I, 1985 has a ridiculous amount of great songs from movie soundtracks. So I was really unsure how to play this. So I actually had Don't You Forget About Me. Originally, I had it as my number one pick. But I thought... Mm. If Chris gets the movie, I'm going to stay away from it. And uh, so I'm kind of glad you picked it. But at the same time, I'm like, if it was my number John one Hughes pick. fans, I'm going to get kind of screwed here. So it was my number one pick for songs. And like I said, because it represents Gen X better than any other song because it's in the quintessential Gen X movie. Um, it, it was released on uh, in, on February the 20th, 1985. It wasn't really popular when it first came out, but I think it's endured over the years. And the thing is, if you if you think of another movie that came out um, uh, the next year, nineteen eighty six, Pretty in Pink, was a John Hughes yeah. movie. Yep. There's the scene when they're when they're in the at the prom, when when they're dancing in the prom, and if you yep. watch it very closely, they, they're dancing to "If You Leave" by or- Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Yep. OMD. Yep. But if you actually watch it, they're not dancing in time to the music. Of course, they're not. 
because they used this song to dance to, which has different BPMs. So anyway, this song, oh my God, this song is just so good. It just, it, it encapsulates everything about Gen X and it definitely encapsulates everything about 1985. So that's why I'm going to pick it. So I'm going with that one. Okay. All right. Over to you. Okay. So, so I'm going to lean, I've really, so I got two choices. I'm going with, with the music. I'm going with song. I'm going to wrap up the song category. I can either take Power Love by Huey Lewis and the News from the Back to the Future soundtrack, which is literally my number one all-time favorite song which when we did our top five favorites this was on my list when we did our favorite songs from the 80s this was on your list i think it was number one it was so it was it, my number it's this is my list, right? this is literally my all-time favorite song i love huey lewis in the news i've seen them in concert back to the future how, one of my how can you not pick it but you have back to the future movie so i don't know if this is going to help me or not but at the same time if i don't pick it and you do that's now two movies with two soundtracks according and i'm like but I have another sort of wild card pick for song that I'm like, I think would push me over the edge. So I may have to just leave it and hope it's there. Come my 10th pick. So I got to go with it. Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. Power love. Don't take money. Don't take fame. Don't need no credit cards to ride this train. I'm picking power love by Huey Lewis in the news. Great pick. I mean, he, he wouldn't pick it. I'd, I'd definitely get in there and take it. <clears throat> well, I don't know what to do now. Do I take another song? I think I'm going to go back to, I think I'm going to go back to TV. I mean, I got to take a TV show and I think I'm going to go with, I, I wasn't ever a huge fan of this show, but I think it's endured enough and I think it's representative of the time. So I'm going to go with yep. MacGyver. Yeah. That was the, clearly the next pick. I think it's yeah. got to be, you know, yep. so I'm going to go with MacGyver. Like I said, did you ever watch that show? I did. I didn't really care for it. Um, yeah, it just, it didn't really do it for me. And I know they've rebooted it and they did the um, Saturday Night Live parody MacGruber, which right. was in my mind, stupid. Dumb. Um, but I know MacGyver ran for a lot of seasons. It had a lot of fans. I and it's held. It's become a part of the social the social norm. It's become a part of pop culture. Whenever somebody makes something work without using the expected way to do it, you go, "Oh, you MacGyvered that!" Like it's literally mm-hmm. a part of our nomenclature. So for that reason alone, it's it's got a lot of value. So that was why I was going to pick it. It's a good pick from you, um, especially since I wrapped up Golden Girls. That was a solid solid pick from you. Mm-hmm. Okay, over to you. All right, so okay, so I've wrapped. You got to go TV now because I mean you need two movies yeah. and two TV shows. Movies yeah. are wrapped. You've up already for me, done your so. movies. You've got two TVs, but I mean, yeah. So I got to go TV. So you pick MacGyver. So whew, next on my list, I'm gonna go with, and this might be a little bit of an unconventional pick, but since you already picked Growing Pains, I think I got to lean on the sitcoms a little bit. And again, I think I got to go for. You know, what was big in 1985, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not as popular as um, as as your show, but, uh, you know, debuting in 1985, running for 118 episodes. I think I need to go with Mr. Belvedere. That's a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, I like that. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, mean, I would have picked is, it. So this is another one of those shows. It ran six seasons and. Uh, I mean, it, it, you look at it critically, it was it was garbage. But mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, I was a very young kid. This was a show that ran when I was, you know, 11 to 16 years old. I, I, again, I was in, uh, you know, weekends I was home. I think this show ran like a Friday or Saturday night, which is usually like the kiss of death for a sitcom. But as a young kid, I liked it. It's one of those ones where it's like traditional family values, the idea that the the, the live-in servant of Mr. Belvedere can provide wisdom to the family. It's become like a cliche of sitcoms. And I think it was this idea of 
you know, it's the same idea as who's the boss, which I think you picked in our previous draft where it's mm-hmm. traditionally a maid or a, or, a, or a nanny would be a woman. And this was a time where it's like, oh, no, this is this gentleman. And in this co- case, it's this British gentleman and he provides, you know, the wisdom to the family. And I liked it. It's it's kind of corny. It's kind of cheesy. But, you know, Bob Euchre's great despite his terrible <laughs> acting. Like he, he has charisma. He has screen presence. Yeah. And the guy who played Mr. Belvedere was pretty good, too. So. You know, it's it's held up. I think over the years, it's still something that people remember and recognize. So I gotta go with Mr. Belvedere as my yeah. uh, as my next TV pick. Oh, I like it. Good pick. Um, I, I think I need to go back and get a song here because I need uh, I need two of those. Although you already have songs, I'm totally done songs. So yeah. Up, so I guess I could. You should just go with TV and wrap it up. Yeah, I guess I should just go with TV and just and then use and that. then you got you got songs and I got movies. We just stay out mm-hmm. of each other's way. So I guess I'm gonna go with. <clears throat> I'm torn between two. I'm going to go with Moonlighting. Yeah, that was a clearly the next pick. I, I, I mean, I was a, I was a big fan of that show when it came out. And Bruce Willis, you just knew he was going to be a star. The chemistry that he had on that show uh, with um, with Simple Shepherd. Shepherd. Oh God, it was that, that was a good show. I, I think it's over overlooked. And uh, and I, but I think if you go back in time to 1985, it's representative of that year. So that's going to I'm going to go with that pick. So yeah. Okay. That's a good pick. You know, I, again, as a younger person, it wasn't a show. I, I remember watching it occasionally and uh, just thinking, eh, it's okay. But like so many other shows, it's that man, woman character. Will they, won't they, are they going to get together? There's that sexual tension. There's that chemistry. And once they got together, it's like pfft, the show went way downhill real fast, which was unfortunate, but the premise was pretty good. And the theme song was pretty good. And Bruce Willis was pretty good. So there's a lot to like about this. That was a pretty solid pick considering we're in our seventh picks here. Okay. Okay, So you can pick, uh, you got to need two movies and you need a TV show. So what are you going to throw? Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and you've done all of those. So it doesn't matter what order I do these in now, because you can't get in my way. That's right. Okay. So let me just recap. So for movies, you've got back to the future Goonies and the breakfast club, which you picked as your one, two, three. I have Rocky four, Rocky four. That's the only one I have. Okay, well, Sylvester Stallone was a big deal in the 1980s, so I'm going to go with another Sylvester Stallone movie. Yes. I'm going to go with Rambo. First Blood, First Blood Part Blood Two. Part Two. Nice. Yep. Came out in May 1985, and man, you want to talk about an actor who's having a good year? <laughs> Stallone puts out Rambo in May and Rocky Four in November. This is as good as it gets for a movie actor in any year, let alone the 1980s. Like. He is the apex, absolute number one movie star, ranking in the bucks, getting what any like one of the other episodes of one of the other podcasts I listened to is called the rewatchables. And one of their categories is apex mountain. Like when was a person at the apex of their career? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, Stallone was at his apex in 1985 after he put out these two movies. These got to be two of his absolute best movies as far as dollars and cents. This is it. So I'm going to just lock it up with my Sylvester Stallone love. And hopefully some of the, jo- the judges are, are Stallone lovers. So I'm going to go with that as my uh, as my next movie. Pick. Well, and you mentioned Rocky Four as being a big thing at this time because, you know, the, the jingoism with, with with America. But Rambo First Blood Part Two was even more so. Because, oh, yeah. Because at the time, you know, it was only 10 years or so before when the United States lost the war in Vietnam. So what better way to kind of pump up, you know, the American psyche than to have this movie about this guy that goes back to Vietnam and kicks some butt, you know, like so. Yeah. Just so. Yeah. yeah, No, that's a good pick. I like that one. 
Um, so I guess I've got to go with a song. You know, in 1985, charity concerts and charity songs oh, were, were all the rage. This is my wild card pick. Yeah. Stanley. And there was Live Aid, and especially there was the USA for Africa with the song We Are the World. And that's what I'm going to go with. It was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, produced by Quincy Jones. The thing was, it required everybody to check their ego at the door and just produce this quality song that would help make the world a better place. And, oh man, I've always been kind of conflicted by charity concerts and charity songs. I'll just be honest. I mean, they do good things, don't get me wrong. But the thing is, it requires a financial contribution from the general public, right? The rich people put out a song and the poor people all line up to pay for it. And the money goes to charity. Now, although it's the poor people, or at least the general public, that give the money, it's the artists, the rich people that get all the praise. So you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, yeah, I'm kind sure. of conflicted on that, but oh, I'm, I'm still going to go with We Are the World as uh, my pick for this, but I just wanted to just get that little jab in there. So yeah. Okay, let me let me ask you a little armchair quarterbacking in the middle yes. of the draft. Okay. This was the other song I was considering. This or Back to the Future, Power Love. Honestly, just between you and me and all the mm-hmm. listeners. Sure. If those were the two on the board, which do you feel was a stronger pick? I think We Are the World is a stronger pick. I mean, I, I yeah. personally, I think Power Love is a better song. But I think We Are the World might resonate more with the judges. And that's really what I care about because I just want to win. It, yeah. And and that was my thought, too, was We Are the World is definitely a snapshot in a moment in time. And nothing says 1985 more than the Live Aid concert. Mm-hmm. So that exactly. was why I wanted it. Yeah. Especially since you already had the Back to the Future movie. Now, in fair, again, if I had picked We Are the World, would you have taken Power Love as one of your songs? Probably not. Damn it. Yeah, See, probably. That was, not. I was kind of hoping We Are the World might slide through to the wild card, but I knew I knew better. It's too bad because I think just when you look at it on a piece of paper, Power of Love doesn't jump out. When I hear the song, I'm like, God, that's a good song. Power of Love is such an amazing song. But when I just see it on a piece of paper, I just don't think it resonates. So that's why I stood away. Yeah. And and I mean, for me, music is one of those things that when I hear a melody or I hear a song. It invokes a memory. And I know for some people that is absolutely the case. Other people's not so much. And people sometimes are like, oh, when I smell a smell, it reminds me. For me, it's always music triggers memory more than anything else for me. And the power of love just triggers a memory for me more than anything else. So I I I kinda that was why I didn't like I was struggling, but at the same time I had to go with my gut. I had to go with my heart. Even though just like you said, I think we are the world might resonate better with the judges as a snapshot from 1985. I just I couldn't in my right conscious pass on the power of love. I, I, I'm like, yeah. Good. Yep. Okay. Over to you. Okay. You, you can what take do I a, need here? I you need, need a TV the, show and a movie, and then I need a, a song, and then we're going to do our personal picks. All right. So let me just move my song list right out of the way because those are done. And you are you need one more, but I don't care what yours is. Uh, oof, I think my TV picks going to be a little harder. So let's look at the movies. Oh, that's not much better. Okay. Well, I mean, I put my list together like I often do based on I, I went to the list of like, what were the top grossing movies of 85, eliminating any of the movies that really were released in 84 and spilled into 85. And this is still a very long and a very strong list. Mm-hmm. But I have two Stallone movies. We'll call them action movies, you know, pump up the audience kind of movies. I think I need something that's a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. So 
since you have Back to the Future, I'm going to take Michael J. Fox's other 1985 offering, which is definitely not as strong, and that's Teen Wolf. Oh yeah, little little movie, but I think that'll resonate with the judges. Again, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think pick. that's one that that in retrospect, people are like, oh yeah, Teen Wolf, and I mean, it's had. It's had a little bit of a resurgence. I think it was the CW did like a modern updated reboot of Teen Wolf. I remember there being a Teen Wolf cartoon. There was, like not there was one a sequel. Movie. Teen Wolf. They did Teen Wolf I 2. always called it Teen Wolf also because it was Teen Wolf. T-O-O. Teen Wolf Ooh, Yeah. And I mean, Teen Wolf has had um, a, a, a resurgence in the pop culture because there's been like certain – nitpicks about the movie and goofs there's a scene at the end where there's a guy like there's the audience after the basketball game jumping up and down there's a guy that has his penis out and literally if you watch the movie you can see it if you know where to look so it's one of those ones that i think was a a decent movie on its face i mean it was what it was it's a movie about a teenager who's a werewolf who plays basketball which is kind of goofy on its face but i know you were in love with the female star of the movie susan ursity was like my all-time teenage crush yeah. She was boof in this movie. I loved her. Oh, I still love her to this day. Yeah. She was just amazing. Yeah. So yeah. no, I think I think because I have Rocky and Rambo already, I definitely needed something with a you know, it's like I've eaten my vegetables, now I need just like a little wafer to clean the palate. And I think Teen Wolf is gonna do that for me. So that's my number three movie pick. pick. That was gonna be my personal pick. So so good for you for stealing that from me. Okay, so I gotta go with a song. <clears throat> you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting and resonates with me. The fact that music can take you back in time. You know? And this song for me immediately takes me back to 1985. Hopefully it'll take the judges back too. And that is Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. Remember that one? Not even on my list. Yes, I remember it, but not even on my list. The thing was, because it it only peaked at number nine on the Billboard charts during it. It it only ended, it was like number 75 on the year-end charts. But none of that matters because... Regardless of the fact that it wasn't a big hit when it came out, this song, it's just got something about it. The, the high energy, there's the catchiness of it all, the whole one-hit wonder thing going on. I, I, I think this is this one will resonate. I think when you think back and you, you hear that song, you think of that song, you know, you think back to 1985. So even though it wasn't a huge, huge hit at the time, I think it's endured and I think it helps represent the year, so... That's what I'm going to go on. All right. So I need a TV show to wrap up my yes. three, three and three, right? You do. So I have two TV shows left on my list. They're both animated. And I, I fell down this rabbit hole in our very first year where I picked the Transformers cartoon as my wildcard pick. I don't necessarily think that helped me as mm. much as I think that was absolutely reflective of the year we were drafting. And this is another year where... If you grew up in the 80s, cartoons, like after-school cartoons, were a huge deal. And, I mean, for for, for boys, because most of the, who are we kidding? Most of the cartoons were geared towards boys. Mm-hmm. Now, there were a few, few cartoons geared toward girls, but I think, for me, I'm like, I've got two cartoons on my list, and I don't think either of them are on your list, so it's like, uh, I, I'm not really sure what to do. I'm, I think... I know I'm going to lose the movie category, I think, because you got Back to the Future. So I really need to call it. I really need to pull it up in these other ones. So I'm going to go with the Thundercats cartoon that debuted in January 1985 as my last TV yeah. show pick. Yeah, well, that's that's a good pick. I it, remember that again, one. Again, it's yep. another one that has had two reboots. 
They did like a more serious for mature audiences reboot of the cartoon, like maybe about 10 years ago. And it was decent, but it didn't get the audience they wanted. So it only got one season. And then in the last couple of years, they've done another reboot of the Thundercats where it's been more of a, an, a, an, a cartoon for a much younger audience. And the episodes are only like 10 to 15 minutes long, sort of like in the same idea as Teen Titans Go, if anyone watches that. And those episodes are a little easier to digest. But again, they're very clearly designed for a much younger audience. Whereas this show that came out in the 80s was like so many like G.I. Joe, like Transformers. It was like for those teenage boys, like that was the main audience. So the stories sort of were at that level of maturity. And if you grew up in the 80s, like I did, and you were a boy, like I am, these cartoons have a very strong place in your memory. So I'm going to go with Thundercats as my number nine okay. pick, like my, third, my third TV show. So it's over to me. My 10th pick is my personal pick. I know that you do not like this movie. I don't care. I love this movie. And it's from 1985. And that's Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Nice. That's not even on my pick. not even on my 1985. I, did, I, I knew it wouldn't be on yours and I don't care because, nope. you know, the personal pick is the personal pick. And I, yep. I love that movie. And and to me, when I watch it, we reviewed it on the podcast, you know, previously. It just takes me back to 1985. It's just, it's a throwback. Oh, God. No, that's that's my personal pick for sure. My personal pick would have been Teen Wolf, but you, you, you sniped it on me. So I'm going to go with nice. uh, Remo Williams. Yep. Over to so, you. So, okay. This is the advantage of picking second is now I can sort of verbalize my thought process because you're, you're done your picks. So... On the one hand, for I could take a movie, and Real Genius, which came out in 1985, is one of my yes. sort of guilty pleasure movies that I love. So it I could good. definitely pick that, and mm. that would work. Um, Brewster's Millions, another movie that oh, came out in 85. Yes. Not a so very popular good. movie, no, but, so but again, a lot of personal love for yeah. that movie. Me too. Uh, Me too. I love that movie But again, I'm like, mm, you know, and then I, as I've already said a couple of times on this episode, the songs from 85 were just so good there are so many great 1985 songs mm -hmm. and i really feel that no matter what movie i take as a wild card is not going to necessarily tip the scales i figure the songs for me are where i can really sort of get some dollar value so i'm gonna go and now i'm debating between two the one is a canadian pick which is never surrender by Corey hart oh wow yeah. which i love but I think the one I'm going to go with is a song that really I just I fell in love with when I heard it in 85 and it's had a lot of staying power. It was featured in the movie Real Genius, which I just talked about, which I might have taken as my personal pick. But I'm going to go with Everybody Wants to Rule the World good by pick. Tears for Fears from yeah. 1985. Yeah. I'm a that's little a, surprised that one. didn't that's that didn't one. make our top six. But um, it's it's one of those songs, Tears for Fears, a, a, an iconic 80s band. And it was a huge hit that summer. I mean, even though it came out in February, it had staying power. And like I said, I moved in in the summer of 85 to a new town. And really, my I didn't have any friends right away. So it was what's on the radio, what's on the TV, what's in the theater. And this is just one of those songs that was a huge hit. And whenever I hear it, it just reminds me of that summer being in this new place and experiencing these new things, which ultimately helped really shape and define who I am. And it's just, it's one of these songs that I love. It's been covered a couple of times. The, the cover version by the, the artist Lord is phenomenal. You want to know how to do a good cover? 
listen to Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Lord. You'll never hear this song the same way again, and you'll regret that Tears for Fears did it the way they did it. But their version is awesome in its own right. That's my wild card pick. Love it. I mean, so we did it. We made it through the draft. It's great. I think uh, we're gonna have to send this off to the judges and see what you know what they say. We're gonna come back next week and and uh, and, and see who won. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's time for you to make a big comeback. So hopefully you're going to win this one. Well, I, again, I think Back to the Future gives you a huge leg up, but I'm, I'm feeling very confident with my pick. Last time we did this, I was like, that's it. I don't have a chance. You got Raiders, and I knew it was over from the very first pick. This time, I don't want to say it was over from the very first pick. Mm-hmm. I was definitely, I feel I was coming from a place, I was coming from behind, but... I think my picks have been solid. So, yeah, I, I, so. I'm holding out hope that I, I have a chance this time around. I had a whole strategy in place. If you, I, I figured you would win the, the the flip and you will take back to the future. And I knew what I was going to do the rest of the way and it just made it even easier for me. But uh, all right. On that note, let's have some. Hang on. Oh, hang on, hang on. What, you, you, one more thing. I was before we say, go. Yeah. Do you want to recap our picks before we move on to the fun with Gay Man? Uh, yeah, I guess we can. I mean, okay. like, I've got. Uh, so for my movies, I have Back to the Future, The Goonies and The Breakfast Club. You have Rocky Four, Rambo First Blood Part Two, and Teen Wolf. For my TV shows, I got Growing Pains, MacGyver, and Moonlighting. Whereas you have The Golden Girls, Mr. Belvedere, and Thundercats. And then for songs, I've got Don't You Forget About Me, We Are the World, and Walking on Sunshine. And you have Money for Nothing, Susudio, and Power of Love. And our personal picks, mine is Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, and yours is Everybody Wants to Rule the World. I love my song picks. I'm a little worried about the other categories. Yeah. I think I might be able to take this one down. So let's have some fun with Caveman. All right. So Derek, so we did 1985 as our movie this year. So I thought it would only be fitting that we did some pop culture trivia from 1985. Easy one. Okay. You're going to be able to get this. This was an important and impressionable pop culture year. I think I'm going to do pretty well on yes, this. You and now, now that I've said that, yeah. I'm going to just get crushed, I'm sure. Nah, you'll do fine. You mentioned already this was an important year, you know, for in your pop culture life. So you're going to do well. Okay, so what movie took home the top prize with the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1985, Derek? I don't know. Amadeus? Man. No, no out idea. Out of Africa. Out of Africa. Sure. One. Okay. Oh, that was that crappy movie you picked the last time we did the draft. No. No, no, you did a Golden Pond. Sorry, all those no. old people movies all just blur together for me. Can you name, so Out of Africa won Best Picture. Can you name sure. any of the other four films nominated for Best Picture that year? Probably not. Um, let me think. Night, sorry, what was the year? 1984? Yep. Just, sorry, it was on. movies from 84 that were awarded in 85. No, 1985. Movies that came out in 1985. Came they out in 85. Yeah, they would have held the Oscars in like February of 86 or something, but it was for movies that, from 1985. So out of Africa, one best picture. Can you name one, just one of the other four movies that were nominated for best picture that year? Pritzi's Honor. Yes, that was one of them. The Color Purple, Kiss of the Spider Woman, and Witness were the other movies. Wow. Okay, so I've seen Witness. I've not seen any of those other movies. And the only reason I knew Pritzi's (laughs) Honor is, again, in in the town we moved to, there was literally one movie theater with one screen and every two weeks they would get a new movie. And I remember riding my bicycle past it and there was the poster for Pritzi's honor. And I kept thinking that movie looks dumb. What was the only reason I remember? What was the name of the town you moved to? I'd rather not say, okay. What film led the domestic box office with $190 million in 1985? 
got to be Back to the Future. All right, follow-up question. Who directed Back to the Future? Robert Zemeckis, one of my favorite directors. What country's government banned Back to the Future because of its use of time travel and it was considered to be a disrespectful portrayal of history? Wow. So I know in the movie they like, they rip off some terrorists from like some Middle Eastern country to make the time machine. So that's where I thought this was going to go. But I I have to think this is one of the communist countries. So it's got to either be China, Russia or North Korea. Let's just go with the odds and say China. All right. All right. So Back to the Future was the highest grossing film of the year. We've established that. So what was the number two film? of the year at the domestic U.S. box office. Ooh, I should know this. I've been looking at the lists for the last couple of days. Uh, was it, ooh, it was either Beverly Hills Cop 2, which came out in late 84, or The Goonies. I'm going to go with Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, you, you had said Beverly Hills Cop 2, so I thought you, then you, you, you corrected yourself. No, 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 yourself. that one's for me, the, yeah. from later, yeah. All right, so the following actors, Derek, were nominated for Best Supporting Actor in 1985. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God, okay, okay. <laughs> Claus Maria Brandauer, William Hickey, Robert Loggia, Donna Amici, and Eric Roberts. What actor took home the gold? I actually know the answer. It's Don Amici for Cocoon. Yes, it was. Start I don't know off. who any of those other people are or what movies they were in. None of them. Claus Maria Brandauer was in Out of Africa. William Hickey was Pritzi's Honor. Robert Loggia was from Jagged Edge. And Eric Roberts, Runaway Train. Never seen it. Mm. Uh, okay, sorry. Eric Roberts, I've actually heard of. But okay. wow, I never seen any of those movies. I've only even heard of one of those movies. <laughs> Man, this is supposed to be like your wheelhouse right here. Although you didn't know Don Amici was in uh, Cocoon with uh, with apparently my spirit I, animal, Wilfred Brimley. I almost picked Cocoon as my wild card pick for the movies, but that's I'm a like, good movie. Nah. God, it's a good movie. God, it's know. fine. It's fine. okay. Swatch watches were all the rage back in 1985. So within five dollars, how much did a Swatch watch cost back in 1985, Derek? Wow. Within so my months. wife actually. My wife actually owns like four Swatch watches. I bought her the last two because that's the only kind of watch she'll wear. Uh, in 1985, I got to think they were reasonably price, reasonably cheap. So I'm going to sort of hedge my bets a bit and say 11. I'm sorry. They were $29.99. Wow. They were expensive. Yeah, they were wow. pricey. It was like, it was, it was like a prestigious thing. That's got to be like a hundred bucks in 1985 money. Yeah, That's craziness. All right. Billy Crystal. He shot to Love. stardom on Saturday Night Live by portraying a real life person and using the catchphrase, you look marvelous. What real life Argentinian American actor was Billy Crystal portraying? He would also often say, it's better to look good than it is to feel good. Wow. I did so I I can picture the sketch clear yeah. as day. I had no idea that that was based on a real person. None whatsoever. Uh oh boy, hold on. Give me a quick second here. Let me think of it. it is 
No, I'm never I'm I'm never gonna if I guess it'll be some in racially insensitive stereotypical <laughs> name. So I'm just gonna say I don't know. Wrong. It was Fernando Lamas. I was gonna say Fernando, and I'm like, ooh, that might come off a little racist. It was Lorenzo Lamas's father. And the thing was, that wasn't even my favorite reference to Fernando Lamas on SNL. So back in the 70s, Bill Murray did this Spanish game show spoof called Quienes Mas Macho. It meant, it meant who is more macho. Okay. And they would give the contestants these two names. And the contestants would have to guess which of the two was more macho. Okay. It was like, Quienes Mas Macho? Fernando Lamas or Ricardo Montalban? Ooh, that's Quienes a Mas pick. Macho, Lamas or Montalban? It was so funny. Anyway, okay, so Billy Crystal, he also impersonated another famous ethnic actor on SNL. Yes, yes. For for this one, he used the catchphrase, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, geez. I remember that's not where I thought you were going with this. He did a spoof of the Babe Ruth story starring this actor. And remember when the kid asked Babe Ruth, will you please hit a home run for me? Billy Crystal playing this character says, I'll hit you a single, a double, a triple, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Derek. Wow. What Russian American actor did Billy Crystal portray that died in 1985 from lung cancer? Jeez. Okay. This is absolutely not the direction I thought this was going in. I'll give you a hint. He was the, he was in the King and I. Well, I figured that. Was it Yul Brenner? It was. I I was, I thought your question was going to go in the direction where the answer was Sammy Davis Jr. So when you said rush, I'm like, oh my God. Okay. That's not where I'm going with this one. So I I can't believe I pulled that out of my butt. Okay. Okay. So this concert appearance, which took place on July 13th, 1985 has been voted the greatest live performance in the history of rock by BBC's world's greatest gigs. Yep. Derek, can you name the band and the event? Yep. It is widely considered to be the greatest concert appearance. Yep. Queen at Live Aid. Yes. Queen at Live Aid. Hands down. Yeah. All right. This 1985 single was named the worst song of all time by Blender, Gentleman's Quarterly, Rolling Stone Magazine, and even VHS's special episode, The 50 Most Awesomely Bad Songs Ever. What 1985 single was named the worst song of all time? Jeez, the worst. We never focus on the worst. We always focus on the best. <laughs> I know. Okay, hold on. Let me let me give this a minute here. Uh wow. Honestly, I I have no idea. I'm gonna take a wild stab in the dark and say No, you know, I don't even have a wild guess. I, I have no idea. Done. It was We Built This City by Starship. Really? Yep. <laughs> Wow, that was on my list of songs to pick. That was the next one on my list. I made a crack about you last week wanting to pick that song. So there you go. Okay, so although it was a massive worldwide hit, Hart's 1985 single, What About Love? Remember that song? Oh, I sure do. That was not an original song by the band Hart. It was a cover song originally written and performed by what Canadian band, Derek? Wow. I, I so see we learn new things on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We're not just entertainment, we're That's educational. Right. That's right. Um I'm gonna play the odds on this one and say BTO Bachman Turner Overdrive. No, it was Toronto. Remember okay. Toronto? What your I daddy do. don't know. That band. 
They did. Yep. Last okay. Week. No, I know them. Believe me. Living in Toronto, I know the band Toronto. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. I last question, Derek. Them. Yeah. Okay. Kenneth Masmacho, Lamas Umantelban, Lamas Umantelban, Kenneth Masmacho. Uh. Not Montalban, the other guy. Oh, man, we all know Montalban was con. He's more macho. Yeah, yeah, he okay. totally was. So we are going to pass along our draft list to our esteemed group of judges. And yeah. they're going to vote on the winner. And at the beginning of next episode, when we come back, we'll reveal who the winner is of pop, our pop culture fantasy draft for 1985. And, um, and don't forget, most importantly of all, the winner will get the possession of the trophy Funko Fonzie. Now, I always mention the episode number at the top of the show. And this week, it's episode 199. So, needless to say, our next episode is a little bit of a milestone for us, Derek. So, yep. anyone that's listened to this podcast since our early days, you know, all, all two of you out there, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we began the show, it was me and Yancey Eaton and, and our producer, Sloth. You can't, can't forget him. And we started this podcast in July of 2016. And next episode, we hit number 200. So, so Derek, you think we should do something special for our next episode? It's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah. You think about it, 200 episodes means one thing. We can now go into syndication. Syndication, baby. All That's right. We're going to become rich. We're going to become rich. Yeah. You know, whenever a TV show hits 200 episodes, they get to go into syndication. We're all going to get royalties, yep. right? So nice. that's going to apply to a free podcast, I'm sure. So um, what do you think we should do so, for our 200th episode? Yeah. So, Chris, I have some very creative ideas about, you know, you know, remember back when we were younger, they did after school specials and you'd hear the, the, the like when they were promoting, they go this week on a very special episode. So our 200th episode, I think we can promote as a very special episode of Pop Goes Your World. I have a lot of great ideas on where we can go with this. You and okay. I can talk off air, we'll get something sure. together. And then after our 200th episode, we'll come back and we'll do a couple of movie reviews from 85. And yes. believe me, there are a lot of very oh, strong yeah. movies in 85. So those are gonna be a lot of fun to watch and review. Even though we've already done a handful of really good ones from 85, there are still a lot to pick from. We'll do our 200th episode, mm -hmm. pardon me, very special episode of Pop Goes Your World. Yes. We'll do our 200th episode. Then we'll come back and do a couple of 85 movie reviews. And um, and yeah, we'll we'll have a great time. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm on vacation next week. So we're going to take a couple of weeks off mm -hmm. while, I, while I take a little personal reflection time. And maybe, I don't know, Chris, we'll try and get a best of episode out if possible. Sure, I can maybe. do that for next week. And yeah. then we'll come back in two weeks. We'll do our very special episode of Pop Goes Your World, 200th episode, and we'll go from there. I think that sounds like a great idea. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, so next week we'll put out the uh, the best of episode, and then we'll come back with our 200th very special episode. And until then, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to 199 of these shows so far, and we really appreciate it. This is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.